Good evening, and welcome to Transforming Lives, the radio ministry of the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio. I invite you to stay tuned for the next hour for a live discussion providing biblical answers to life's questions. Here now is your host for tonight's edition of Transforming Lives. Good evening, listening audience. This is Joe Propri, the director of the Biblical Counseling Institute, and your host tonight on Transforming Lives. We are so excited to be with you tonight, and we need to let you know what happened, first of all, last week. Some of you that are listening now, I'm grateful that you are, because you may have thought that our program ceased to exist because of last week's circumstances. Tuning in at this time last week, you listened or looked forward, I hope, to hearing our regular programming. And uh, something had happened last week, which is going to be the subject of this particular program. Last week, some of us were invited uh, to Virginia Tech campus to provide biblical counseling uh, to the students, faculty, parents, and and uh, onlookers who surrounded that campus after that horrible massacre, which occurred just two weeks ago tomorrow. And so we're going to be talking on the program tonight uh, about the Virginia Tech massacre. We're going to talk about the evil that that we saw there, a biblical approach of how to think about it. Might talk about some of the tips that we learned and how to best minister in that kind of a situation to those grieving folks. And so you may be particularly interested in tonight's program because, honestly, folks, uh, we really don't know when such an event like that could happen again. We go back uh, in just a few years, and we remember Columbine. We remember the Wedgwood shootings in the uh, church just in Fort Worth, Texas. We we remember uh, Paducah, Kentucky. We remember uh, different kinds of situations. I can't remember them all at this moment, but over the period of just the last decade or so, we've seen a market increase of uh, random uh, shootings in churches or in schools or colleges, and uh, our society is falling apart from that point of view. In view of that, biblical counseling has something to offer, the comfort of God, the wisdom of God's Word, a perspective and direction and hope for the future. You may have questions, uh, the students down there, some of them did, and we were there for them, and uh, you might want to ask us about our experiences uh, this past week. Uh, I personally was down there with an extremely good friend and biblical counselor, mine, uh, Will Lonis, and uh, we were down there together with a, a small team of certified biblical counselors to offer help as well as to try to uh, assess the situation in ways that we might be better prepared in the future for disasters. You might be listening as a Christian right now and saying, my goodness, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to do if such a disaster happened in our local community, in a public school or in a church, and some some kind of a uh, deranged person or mentally ill person or wicked person, however you want to define the individuals that do these things. And we'll be talking about that also. You may not know what to do if that happened in your community, at your school, or or a local church. Beyond that, there's the whole issue of disasters of other kinds, not just the moral disasters, but physical disasters, environmental disasters, hazardous waste, Katrinas, those sorts of things. What do Christians have to offer people who go through such horrendous kinds of things where lives are lost or they're property is all gone and there's no home anymore. And what do you say to that? This is what, this is our topic tonight. We're going to talk about unbelievable extremes of suffering 
and uh, how to how to comfort people in those situations and uh, share the insights that we picked up from Virginia Tech. Don't forget that uh, you can talk to us throughout the program tonight. The phone number to call is 888-677-9673. That's 888-677-9673 or 677-WORD. We're here at WHKW at 1220 a.m., simulcast on WHKZ 1440 a.m. You might tell your friends about that or call them and say, tune into the program tonight. It's going to be very, very interesting. And we are live streamed on the Internet at WHK's, WHKW's radio station website, which you can find linked to ours, which is www.bci-ohio.com. By the way, that particular website talks about our Biblical Counseling Institute, the training classes we offer to help the average believer to be well-equipped to use the Scriptures, not just for situations like we're talking about in Virginia Tech, but everyday problems that people have. And uh, so we want to make uh, you aware of that. You can also podcast the program uh, to your iPod or your MP3 players or whatever. And uh, so take advantage of all that. We want to tell you one more thing and then we'll get into the program. And that is that uh, we encourage you to call. We want to talk with you. We want to hear your comments or questions. And uh, if you call us tonight, we want to give you a free Bible promise book. Anybody that calls tonight, you just mention your question, make your comments, and then we'll make sure to get your uh, name and address and we'll send you out a Bible promise book. It's a wonderful uh, resource with a uh, Uh, topically arranged promises that will encourage you in various types of situations. Again, the uh, uh, reason why we were not on the air last night is I needed to rush down to uh, Blacksburg, Virginia uh, after church on Sunday. And um, uh, my colleagues here on the panel were away. Uh, Glenn, you're here tonight with us. Glenn Dunn from uh, Cornerstone. And in North Olmsted. And Glenn, where were you? Uh, what was your reason for not being here? Tell I, everybody. <laughs> I was uh, in absentia uh, from the broadcast last week because the Lord gave opportunity to minister in Trinidad um, throughout the course of the week, St. Lucia and Trinidad, mm-hmm. um, and had the privilege of um, teaching through uh, the first uh, course of the biblical counseling materials um, mm-hmm. uh, to a group of uh, between 70 and 80 Trinidadians, and also there were some from St. Lucia, so the St. Lucians, and also uh, there were some from Ghana and some other oh. of the of the surrounding um, area there, and the Lord gave a great uh, week. I prayed for you uh, last week on Sunday night for you, you guys as I thought the broadcast was going forward <laughs> uh, and tried to see if I could get online to uh, to see if I could... Uh, listen to the broadcast, but uh, that that didn't happen. And um, here I was uh, praying for you, but the Lord had other intents for those for those prayers, as you had an opportunity to minister there at Virginia Tech. Right, right. We appreciate those prayers. We we could sense the praying of multitudes of saints, mm-hmm. as uh, a number of people in the National Association of Neuthetic Counselors were aware of our trip mm-hmm. and undergirded us in prayer for that time. We were there from uh, Sunday afternoon. I come back uh, Wednesday night. And a few people stayed a couple more days, but it was a, a marvelous time. We'll be talking about as the show progresses. And the Gus, way that the way that was uh, precipitated was for the fact that the National Association of Neuthetic Counselors sent an email out to mm-hmm. um, certified counselors to invite them 
or encourage them to go down to Virginia right. Tech right. as the, as they were trying to uh, minister the gospel to people that would would likely need it. Right, right. and uh, for some. For some unknown reason, God allowed me the privilege. Uh, I think it was the first ten or twelve of us uh, got to go that uh, that signed up, and it was an, an honor to be a part mm. of that particular outreach. Uh, Gus Supan is back with us again tonight uh, from uh, Cuyahoga, and uh, Gus, welcome back to the panel. Nice, nice to be back. And uh, what did you do last Sunday night? <laughs> <laughs> you missed us. Yes, I, yes, I did. <laughs> Well, it's good for us to be together tonight. Uh, as we promised a couple of weeks ago, Gus and I, that we were going to do part two of anger, uh, understanding anger and counseling anger. We've decided to postpone that. Uh, and uh, and if you're looking at the website as to what we were supposed to do last week, obviously we did not do that. We, we were going to run a, a, a previously recorded program, and we got a mix up on that too. So those of you that listened last week did not hear us at all and instead heard uh, some other programming. So we're kind of behind the scenes, and the program tonight, Glenn, you were going to host mm-hmm. about our culture, and that's postponed. So in the uh, weeks ahead, we're going to cover anger part two, maybe part three, and also this culture thing, and some other great topics that are coming up too. But tonight, we want to we want to talk about this that's still on the minds of many people, the issues of Virginia Tech and the mass murder uh, of 32 students there, and well, 31 and one uh, instructor marvelous testimony this instructor standing there blocking the door Mm. uh, keeping uh, Cho the young man uh, from entering the room uh, keep uh, giving to give time for the students in his classroom to jump out the window of the second floor and uh, escape and of course he Mm. he got peppered with uh, multitudes of shots and uh, and died for his sacrifice Uh, and older man in his 70s who, as I understand, survived the Holocaust mm-hmm. and ends his life in this heroic way. Uh, just a marvelous uh, story of uh, compassion and care of this man for his uh, students. Just uh, just marvelous. Touched, touched our hearts greatly mm-hmm. to hear that story and, and dozens of others. Well, we're talking about evil and we're talking about suffering. I, I want to start out, guys, by Letting you know one of the astounding things to me, not that it is anything new, certainly I was aware of this, but but to run into it right there at Virginia Tech was was shocking. And that is this concept that many people have, and I dare say maybe someone listening might have this. I want to challenge you to listen carefully uh, if you have this particular view. But there are people in this world today who do not believe that evil even exists. Now, you guys are familiar with that, mm-hmm. aren't you? Oh, yeah. that, that evil doesn't even exist. I remember when I was an atheist and I was studying world religions. Well, I was studying world religions on the way to becoming an atheist. And uh, I remember the, the concept uh, in Hinduism of Maya, which all things are illusion. I remember the Christian scientist uh, group, which is pseudo. It's not really Christian. It's not really scientist. Um, respectfully, we Christians would call that a cult group. And, uh, you know, everybody... Uh, don't mean to offend anybody, but there's a designation for orthodox belief and unorthodox belief, and and so we simply say it that way. But uh, there's that concept that disease and evil and those things really aren't real. They're figments of imagination or they're illusions or it's explained in different sorts of ways. And um, I actually ran into people like that 
down in Virginia Tech. Remarkable, Students, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, you know, when, when you're faced with it right in front of your mm-hmm. face, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, someone goes in and kills 32 people. Um, to directly act, ask an individual, would you consider this evil? After we've already discussed, there's no evil. Mm. And they would hesitate in him and ha, and they, they're bound to their philosophy, which says there isn't evil. Therefore, this mass murder is not evil either, is what some tried to present as a logical, philosophical position. It's astounding to me to in the face of such clear so they evil. were uh, you know, yes, what I did here, I was listening to the counsel given to to people over the media, especially the television programs that had uh, uh, all the psychologists and psychiatrists and the major media uh, trying to wrestle with that. And, and even there was a denial of evil. It was uh, more of illness rather than evil. So it, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's not just uh, in some uh, distant type of religious experiences. It's, in, it's right in our culture today. Yeah, those that are believing that uh, you have some kind of physiological reason why people do strange and wicked things uh, undercut and undermine the personal responsibility of individuals as they make choices. And Cho made choices. He made clear choices. He planned, executed his plan. He uh, thought in advance. He thought it through. He had harbored thoughts. He had he had done what we biblical counselors might call uh, went down a downward down spiral, spiral for some time before he actually committed this uh, horrible crime. And so the the the, uh, the model that explains people's bad behaviors primarily by genetics or chemical issues or biological issues uh, or experience un- or or mm-hmm. experience undermines the the truth mm-hmm. that we are all um, individuals that God has created and he's given us uh, meaning and purpose and he's given us the responsibility to make choices and he allows us to make those choices and then of course uh, he tells us ahead of time that uh, we're responsible to those choices and we're uh, also going to well, let's put it this way, suffer the consequences of those choices, if indeed those choices are the wrong ones. Uh, most people uh, have heard of the term, you will reap what you sow. So. And uh, we find that to be true. The Bible is true. It practically shows that out. What would what would you fellas say to someone um, who tries to tell you that uh, there's really no evil in the world? It's... Um, there's some other explanation that basically excuses perpetrators of crimes for their behavior. They can't help it. Um, it's a product of who knows what. What? What? How would you begin to approach that well, sort of? Those a, of us uh, being Christian and uh, in uh, biblical counseling would naturally say that the uh, the evil is a result of the fall. And the Bible, God's Word, says that man's heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all else. Who would know it? In other words, it is, uh, it is our nature, our fallen nature, to be evil. Mm-hmm. I think one of the best uh, ways to help people to see that is by a point, and I think it's what Jesus did as he ministered here, is by pointing people to the law of God. And if you want to see what's evil then you look to see what God has given in the matters of his law and his commandments and anything that goes against that. And and you certainly know that those commands are Mm -hmm. far-reaching. 
<clears throat> certainly in their specificity, but also then in the in the broadness of the way that they can be applied in the matter of uh, principle. And you want to to show that, that there's some. You want to show that there's evil. You take them uh, to the commands of God, and you say anything that breaks these commands um, is uh, instituted, as you say, Gus, from a heart that uh, is is wicked. Jesus, you know, this is one thing I think that the culture really struggles with. And uh, as I mentioned to you guys uh, today, as we were uh, talking earlier in Trinidad, this beca- as we were going through the the training, uh, this began to to be a real issue. Um, what was happening in Virginia Tech and so forth with the with the people that were coming for the counseling, and I think probably by Wednesday night there was some questions in people's minds and the hands were being raised. And the question was, uh, Pastor Dunn, is this is this man sick? Mm-hmm. Is this man mentally ill? Uh, you know what happens? I mean, isn't isn't he sick? Isn't he mentally ill? And I think the the simplest question is to say, do we live in a sick culture, or do we live in a sinful culture? I mean, how would Jesus describe our culture? How did Jesus describe the culture in which he lived in the in the in the day that he ministered? And we we're we're forced to say that it's not a sick culture. The world doesn't know that. It's unfortunate, but the world cannot explain why there is evil. Why is there this wickedness? And it's really only Christianity that gives to us both the origin of evil and the answer for evil. The origin of evil is what we see in the Garden of Eden, which is meant to be read historically, even mm-hmm. though it's told in narrative. And the answer to that evil is what what, what is promised right there in Genesis 3.15, which is the first promise of the Messiah, right at the, the culmination mm-hmm. of the fall, and which we, which we see in the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And, and he said, you wicked and perverse generation. Right. He right. didn't say you sick, no. chemically yeah. challenged yeah. generation. Right. You're mentally ill. No. Right. And, and, you know, Matthew uh, fifteen nineteen, Jesus tells us where, where this kind of thing comes from. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. It, so it, there's the answer right there. Jeremiah told us that in 17.9. As you're saying, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? But verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and know it. So why we can't know our own hearts and the propensity for evil that we have, which is what Calvin would describe, that we are totally depraved, what we see is that God says he knows our hearts. And and so the one that made us, the one that um, designed us, the one that uh, allowed us, as, as it were, in that garden to make those choices which would uh, initiate the very thing that we're talking about tonight, sin, and how sin is evidenced, in different people, is the one that gives us the answer, and right. it's in his son, Jesus Christ. You know, we come back from this next break here. Uh, we're going to talk more about this concept of evil, the solution for evil. We might even try to tackle why did Mr. Cho do what he did. People want to understand that, and, and uh, all kinds of answers have been flowing forth from all sources. But I don't think any of them really satisfy our intellect, mm. our sense of, of uh, conscience of what's right and wrong, uh, better than the Bible can answer that. Now, listener, uh, we want to encourage you to, to call your friends and also call us. Our number is 888-677-9673. We are live. We're ready to talk with you about uh, Virginia Tech and issues related to that. So hang in there. We'll be right back after this break. 
the Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville, we can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. So I was having my coffee the other day and I wondered, what's so special about Cornerstone Bible Fellowship? Is it the family-like environment? The Christian development class is geared for all ages? Or the fact that Cornerstone Bible Fellowship believes both in the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Bible. Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is committed to preaching, teaching, and counseling from God's Word. I've heard testimonies of how the biblical counseling ministry of our church helped my friend with her panic attacks, helped one believer with his anger and another who struggled with worry, all by giving them solid biblical principles to help them defeat these sins in their lives. It's amazing. At Cornerstone Bible Fellowship, I'm learning that I have everything I need to live a life of victory and godliness. It's my prayer that we will reach even more people with the good news that the Bible is sufficient to meet our greatest needs. Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is currently meeting at Remington College at Great Northern. For more information, call 440-617-0002 or visit us on the web at cbfministry.org. We're back here on Transforming Lives. I'm your host, Joe Propri, joined by my good friends, Gus Supan and Glenn Dunn. We uh, together provide a panel of experienced pastors and counselors who are available to you to respond to your questions or comments relating issues of life and problems that people have. We are convinced and committed to the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Scriptures, providing all that we need to know and all that we need to follow to be able to handle life well. And I'll tell you guys, one of the things that's difficult about handling lives, uh, life is the incident that happened two weeks ago tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That is an extremely difficult circumstance. It's the largest scaled massacre on American soil uh, of this nature, and uh, certainly we'll go down in the history books for that. A young man named Cho murdering 32 individuals before killing himself, all because of issues we haven't even discussed uh, that he blames other people for. In fact, uh, he said in the uh, thing that they played on the uh, on the television and in the newspaper articles I've read that um, you made me do this. There were other mm-hmm. ways, but you forced this into me. You're the fault. Uh, and so he, in one sense, in one place, he said that he identifies with Jesus. He is... He is uh, persecuted, su- suffering. Suffer- suffering and persecuted just mm. as Jesus did. So he mm. sees himself, mm. if you will, as a martyr uh, uh, for a cause and counted amongst his heroes the two fellows at Columbine that killed the students there. Mm. Interesting theories in the minds of this particular guy, how he sorts it all out, how he makes sense out of it and rationalizes it, justifying his choice and his behavior. Mm. And, Glenn, just before the break, you were talking about the the uh, issue of evil in the world. Now, mm. this Cho fella did not believe he was doing anything evil. Mm. In his mind, 
we would say is distorted. But if you if you lived in his brain and thought the way he thought, it would make perfect sense to you to do mm-hmm. what he did. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, the secular folks in our world are trying their best to understand. Cho and why he did this, and they can't come up with a clue because they don't have mm-hmm. a framework That's with right. which they can process the evidence. And as we said just before the break, and we all three here agree with this, the Bible is the only book that gives you a framework to understand anything, mm-hmm. let alone the tragedy at Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Now, just before I'm going to ask Glenda to say, just let me re- remind you that uh, we would like you listeners to call us. We'll even give you a free Bible promise book if you do. And we'd <laughs> like to hear your questions, your comments about Virginia Tech or the related issues. If you'll call us at 888-677-9673. If the lines are busy, don't forget you can call locally at 216-901-0933. You can also email us at Transforming Lives at yahoo.com and uh, check us out on the on the website uh, catching the program live stream www.bci-ohio.com and just click on BCI on the radio. Well Glenn tell us a little bit more about why we have evil in the world. You and Gus were mentioning it easier but uh, earlier I should say but uh, one of the questions we may not be able to immediately answer why did Cho do this evil deed but we do have because you have to get into Cho's brain and that's hard to do. But we do have answers in general. Why right. is there evil in this world? Right. You know, it's it's interesting that he would identify himself, as I've heard he has done, in, in uh, or he did in some of the news broadcasts with Jesus Christ. When m- more to the point, he should be he should have been identify himself with Adam. Mm-hmm. Adam. Because uh, what we see in Genesis chapter three, when God confronts Adam and Eve in the garden. You see, just before, I just feel compelled to say, before we go into this, this is why we are convinced that the Bible is true. Mm-hmm. I mean, ask the evolutionist, from whence does evil come? You don't know. They, it, they cannot give can, you an answer. How can it evolve? Right. From, what would it evolve from? Ask the evolutionist why we are not evolving into something better. I mean, why do we see these columbines? Why do we see Virginia Techs? Why do we see... A planes smashing into um, World Trade Center. And World why do, Trade Center. Why do we see it happening more and yeah. more and with greater evilness? Yeah. If I can coin such a word, with greater intensity, with, with spread out f- farther and farther, deeper yeah. and deeper. You know, these are often the times when, as it were, anybody who <clears> believes <throat> in God is challenged because someone would say, "Well, why would God?" You know, if God is loving, why would God let this, and why would God let mm-hmm. that happen, and how mm-hmm. could God, you know, bring these things? And we forget our own culpability as the as the once glorious image bearers of God. We forget our culpability in this issue. Yes. And, 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 and so it drives us back, and this is where I think as Christians we have the answer to the origin of evil. Now, as you're saying, in particular, we can't maybe explain all the wherewithals of, of this Cho, but we certainly can say in, in the general principles as to why it happened. And he, Let, let's, let's not all just look at Cho. Yeah, right. We are all capable of that evil. Now let's right. let's hold that thought <laughs> yeah. a little bit later. But uh, yeah, that's yeah. we can't argue with that. You know, John Gerstner said we're all totally depraved, but we all don't act out the fullness of our total right. depravity. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's exactly you know to that issue. But anyway, when God approaches then Adam and Eve after after. Satan had tempted them in the form of the serpent. God says, where are you? And and Adam says, you know, 
well, we're hiding kind of a thing. Uh, why are you hiding? Because knew, we knew we were naked. Who told you that you were naked? You know, God is giving Adam an, an opportunity here to confess. It's not as if God doesn't know. Come clean. Yeah. 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 Confess. You know, don't you wonder what this world would be had there been a different uh, outcome here? In Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Adam does what everybody does in the matters of our sin. He Blame sa- shifts. Yeah. He <laughs> says, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And she said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. It's everybody else's fault. I'm I'm convinced the mantra of our culture is twofold. First, my life is your fault Hmm. is one mantra. That's true. And and the second mantra is, my life is your responsibility. Wasn't that what Cho was saying in the things he wrote? Evidently. Yeah. And, And so what we see that is right here in the Garden of Eden is this very thing that you're you're uh, you're um, giving example of mm-hmm. with what he was saying about himself? He shouldn't be identifying himself with Christ. He should be identifying himself with the Father of all mankind, and that is Adam. In the way that Adam responded to the sin. Now, just just a point of reference here. Yes, getting a little bit animated. Go ahead. Just a point of reference here. Is it not remarkable that Adam? prefers to point the finger at God and leaves the devil unscathed. There you go. It's amazing, isn't it? Yes. Is, is that not yeah. an amazing... There's not a mention of the devil from Adam's lift at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. He Rather, he prefers to, to blame God... And his wife. And, his, and wife. his wife. Secondarily. And he lets Satan go off. There's there's something to that. There's something which, to that that's making me... My my uh, juices flow. I yeah. got to think about that more yeah. because Which, you mean because he was deceived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we well, know actually, that. She well, was she was deceived. deceived. Yeah. She's she's labeled deceived, and he's more deliberate. Yeah. Now that's the difference. She was Timothy. deceived. Yeah, but Adam wasn't deceived. He knew right well what he was doing, and he prefers to finger God and blame God. Should we say, "Ah, oh, what the love of a woman can do to a man"? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we should say, "Ah, oh, what the love of sin will do." In a minute. <laughs> there you go. That's more correct there theologically. There you go. Yeah. And 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 so when and then, that won't get you any letters. <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's right. And then to tie this in, the Bible tells us then in Romans chapter five, Adam is called the first man, the first Adam. Mm-hmm. And then in Romans five, if I can start at verse twelve, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin. Mm-hmm. And thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Mm-hmm. Now there's the explanation. Why? Why do? What's? What is the origin of sin? This is why we're all born with what we in, in theological parlance would call original sin. The original mm-hmm. sin mm-hmm. isn't what Adam and Eve did in the garden. Original sin is original to us. We we are, we it's, are it's born with it. It's the propensity in nature that yeah. we've been given, inherited. That's why parents don't have to teach their children how to do wrong. No. I mean, what parent needs to sit their child down and say, today I'm going to teach you how to lose your temper with your brother? Mm-hmm. I mean, as parents, we're we're doing everything we can to train our children not to be like that. We, yeah. we need to help them overcome what comes naturally. That's right. What better <laughs> Overcome pr- evil. <laughs> what better proof do we need? And then if we go down here in verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one man, through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, 
many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. What a promise that the Scriptures call Christ the second Adam. So, you know, this is the beginning, I think, of real hope. Absolutely. Real hope yeah. for the uh, victims, their families, the tragedies, and the beginning of understanding uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, there is evil in the world. Only only those that are in some kind of a strange fantasy world of illusion will deny that. I found most people who had pagan philosophies uh, belonging to false religions or whatever, and even cult groups that I talked with down there, I could get them all to agree that this was an evil act. They might not think uh, living together is evil or adultery is evil or speeding is evil or whatever, but they all agreed that this one act for sure mm-hmm. was evil. And, uh, and so what's the reason? Glenn, I like the way you said it. What can explain the reason for evil? Never mind the challenge to us, how could a good God allow evil? Mm. Let's let's ask that question of those people. You explain to me why there's evil. Mm-hmm. At least God tells us why there's evil. Mm-hmm. You might say, why does he allow it? We might have a hard time answering it. We think we have answers, but and you may not like the answers, but we do have answers. Mm-hmm. You, I don't think there's an answer that the opposition has to explain evil. Mm. See, and, and it hinges upon the existence of a person called Adam, doesn't it? Mm. As it you has said. to, yeah. Well, if there was an Adam who introduced evil with his wife into the world by a rebellious, disobedient choice to a clear command of God, who is a good God and only wanted the best for them, planned the best for them, well then, um, how does evolution explain the existence of evil? Mm-hmm. As you said earlier, mm-hmm. there is no explanation that's satisfactory whatsoever. It actually is no explanation. Mm-hmm. At least Christianity and Judaism provides an answer. You may not like it, but it is an answer. It's logical. It's sound. Uh, it may ruffle your feathers because the implication, getting to what Gus said a little early, is this. Because of one man's sin, mm-hmm. sin entered the world and the condemnation of justice, that means all of us are sinners. Yeah. That means all of us. Now, we may not sin in the ways the chose sinned. There may be uh, a great variance of difference in the kinds of sins that individuals commit, the frequency of the sins they commit, the uh, uh, um, consequences of their sinful choices, their effects on other people. There are, in one sense, you might say, degrees of sin, at least in their effects, Mm -hmm. and and the pain that it causes individuals in the greater society. Certainly the, the, the sinful choices of the terrorist pilots of our own planes into the World Trade Center uh, is a much more grievous uh, uh, activity because of the huge amount of destruction, damage to families. Uh, the, the degree, you might say, of their choices and the sinful consequence there are far worse than even chose. And those are far worse than someone committing adultery. Now, I'm not trying to minimize the pain to a spouse who's been victimized or I should say painfully hurt by the indiscretions of her or his spouse. I mean, it's horrible, the pain that adultery can cause. But in our culture today, it's a small thing uh, to the average person, not to God. Joe, even even uh, taking this down to uh, the cases we we find so frequently, where somebody shoots somebody else, uh, a husband shoots a wife, or a, a, a distraught lover shoots uh, a, a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
then people will, uh, some people come up and say, I can't believe he did it. Mm-hmm. He was such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, he, and, and all, but, but to the depth of the, our hearts, we're capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As good as, see, God looks on the heart mm-hmm. and he knows the extent of our evil, mm-hmm. but man looks on the outer appearance. Don't you think this is one of the reasons why the Bible itself calls the gospel offensive? <laughs> Yeah, it's it, offensive for us to hear that we have this propensity, or at least the the potential, to do wicked things. You know, it, I read an article a long time ago, and I've quoted it often uh, to the folks in my church. The beginning portion of the article it was on the matter of total depravity. In the article, the author says, "Even as a Christian, no one needs to prove my total depravity to me. I only need to spend a few quiet moments with myself." <laughs> Isn't that true? How well yeah. we all, yeah. all know that. And I appreciate, Gus, uh, how you said what you said, because the typical person uh, evaluating this, especially the professionals who in this world are trying to make sense all of this and provide answers to the rest of the public, are trying to analyze Cho and uh, classify him, stereotype him a certain way. He had all the earmarks, you know. He, he was isolated. He was lonely. He uh, it was violent in his writings. He, there, There's a... a uh, a list of things that try to help you identify potential potential people like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. it's helpful to have some mm-hmm. some evaluative tools. I, I, I think of that every time I get on an airplane when I watch myself or little old ladies, grandmas, which I used to think were little old ladies, not, not my wife's <laughs> a grandma. You know, but I mean, you have these pictures, you have these pictures in your mind of people who are being pulled aside and all of their luggage, because it's a random number, is gone through. They have to take off their shoes. They have to be scanned and whatever. And realistically, that's not your typical terrorist prototype profile. You know, right. there, there is a smaller group of people. And yes, it might be a little uncomfortable to narrow it down to the typicals. Uh, uh, you know, prototypes or profiles, but that's wise detective work, I would think. But in the in the fear of not offending anybody or any nationality or any religion today, everybody has to undergo the same kind of scrutiny. I think personally, I think that's wrong. A little bit off the subject, but again, the point. Getting back to it is that uh, there is a profile for mass murderers. There's a profile for sexual addicts. And to a great degree, there's some accuracy to that. But, Gus, you're right. You, a person can be uh, outwardly break all those stereotypes. Uh, should, I, should I say a deacon in a church, an sure. elder in a church, uh, uh, a high-level politician? Well, that may not be as good an example. As shocking as... <laughs> as uh, but, I mean, there are people whose whose lives are outwardly as good as anyone else's, and yet uh, in their hearts. Mm-hmm. They might be downward spiraling and then go ballistic and, and make all the headline newspapers. We're going to have to come right back from this next break and pick this up a little bit more. And we'll be... Uh, uh, Glenn, why don't you go right ahead for a moment uh, with what well, you... Well, were... I, I was just going to say, don't you think the, sh- the shock of it all... This was the shock of Christ's ministry when when he was ministering here, and he turned to... Uh, those that were listening to him, and he said, "If a man commits adultery in his heart, in his heart, he's he is breaking God's command." And and instead of minimizing the law, Christ in his ministry expands the law. And what I would just add to what we've been saying here about the matters of of the heart um, and our obedience and disobedience to the law, there is what we could call a, a breaking of uh, the spirit of the law. Right. And a breaking, literally, of the law. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that this is what we have to be cognizant of as we see this. So, you know, many times you can break the spirit of the law while you're driving down the road. Yes. And you're angry at that person next to you who's cut you off and done whatever. And um, you've broken the spirit of, of the law. You might not have broken the letter of the law, mm-hmm. but you've broken the spirit. And, and, cr- and God sees God the heart. God sees in the heart. Well, listen, we'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. There's some excellent opportunities mentioning mentioned about resources available. Don't forget to call us if you can. Uh, if you'd like to in these latter moments of this program, 888-677-9673. We'll be right back. Do you desire to become more Christ-like? I want to make you aware of a unique resource every Christian should have who wants to grow in Christ-like character. Transformed into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey is a handbook for putting off sin and putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and will help you identify personal habits and tendencies that are hindering your walk with the Lord. This valuable biblical resource will not only help you identify where personal change is needed in your life, but will also explain how to put off old sinful habits and replace them with new godly behaviors. For more information about this wonderful resource, log on to transformedintohislikeness.com. That's transformedintohislikeness.com. If you'd like to order a copy, call 1-800-656-0231 or ask for it at your local bookstore. Transformed Into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. Transforming Lives. This is your host, Joe Proper, here at the Biblical Counseling Institute's program, Transforming Lives, and we welcome you back. We have just a few moments in case you want to call. It's 888-677-9673. And uh, we're here with Gus Supan and Glenn Dunn, our good friends, panels, members here on this program. We're talking about Virginia Tech, if you've just tuned in. I was there uh, this past week for about three days and uh, available with a team of biblical counselors from NANC, the National Association of Nuthetic Counselors, to be available to the students and and faculty and even passers-by to answer questions, counsel, give comfort and encouragement, as well as supply material things, food and, and water and uh, whatnot to many people who surrounded the campus during this recent tragedy. We've been talking for these past 45 minutes about the tragedy the uh, the whole issue of evil, the presence of evil, where it came from. And we've been talking just briefly now 
and we'll conclude about the cure for that evil. Uh, and um, if you've missed a good part of the program, let me urge you, and you're interested in this topic, let me urge you to go to www.bci-ohio.com, our website, where we talk not only about our training courses, our upcoming schedule of courses, uh, for helping you become equipped in using Scripture to help one another as well as counsel yourself about issues that you struggle with. But also there's a link to the radio station, WHKW. Its website uh, enables you to listen to the program live-streamed or even on our own website, bci-ohio.com. You can download programs from recent weeks here where we have talked about various different topics. You can do it free of charge. Get an MP3 file, plug it in your headset, take a walk or a jog and listen to the program. And you can listen to this night's program, tonight's program, and catch up on what you missed about the philosophies behind evil and good and all that sort of thing. And um, although we won't have it up yet for another day or so, but uh, it'll be up there very soon. And uh, before we conclude the program, I want to remind you that we have an extremely exciting opportunity for all of you Bible-believing Christians. Whether you're interested in counseling, whether you do counseling, whether you even agree with us that biblical counseling uh, from scriptures alone is all we really need in our culture to help people with problems, uh, the conference that we're hosting this Friday will be of interest to you. I promise you that. You uh, you come out and you hear Dr. Lou Prolo. Saturday. 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 Did I say Friday? Friday. Yeah. I was wrong. It's the first time this year. Yeah. Saturday, <laughs> Dr. Lou Priolo will be here with us in uh, Mayfield Heights at Armin Tiffey's church. Armin's not with us tonight. Uh, and uh, it's uh, 8 o'clock is registration to uh, 5.30. Dr. Lou Priolo is the author of many books related to marriage. He's got an excellent book called The Complete Husband, helping uh, Christian men to become the kind of husbands God wants us to be. It's an excellent, excellent book. He's got a book on raising children called Teaching uh, Kids Diligently. He's got a book on uh, anger in the heart of kids. He's got a new book out called Pleasing People. Mm. He's got another book called Getting a Grip, which focuses on teenagers and their rebellious hearts. Uh, He's got another book and another book and another book. He's just excellent, and you would love it. We have also a dozen workshops on family kind of issues, as well as a few other issues, too. And both of the men here with me, as well as myself, will be speaking at the conference in workshops, too, on issues related to the family primarily. Families in Crisis is the name of it. It's really inexpensive. Lunch is included. And if you go to the website, you can get all the information, the location, the times, the prices. You can fill out a registration form. And uh, even though it says registration is closed, let me tell you, since I run the place, uh, you can still come. But we would ask you, please If you plan to come, call us. There's a phone number there. Uh, Call us so that we know you're coming, so we can make sure we have lunch for you and a binder ready for you to come. We really want to see you there. We've only got about about five or six minutes, but we want to talk about the hope a little bit more. Glenn and Gus, you've been talking about the cure that's in Christ. We had laid out the foundation that evil is present. We can't deny that. Uh, And we have a biblical explanation, whether it's... uh, believed or not, it's still God's word saying that evil is here because of the fall of man in Adam. Scriptures are very clear about that. And we've also said that the beginning of the cure, Glenn, you had mentioned in Genesis 3.15, is that there would be the seed of the woman who would come and crush the head of the seed of the serpent, crush the serpent, seed of the head of the serpent. And we know that seed is the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. We know that the Bible says it to be true. Mm. How does Jesus Christ coming 
already accomplished, uh, how does that give us hope uh, for the problems of evil? Uh, how, how does that do that when the fact is Jesus came 2,000 years ago? And I can imagine some critics saying, look, Jesus came 2,000 years ago and there's still plenty of evil. And in fact, religious people have committed some of the most hideous evil crimes too. That's a huge question for only five minutes, but mm-hmm. let's at least give some kind of an attempt at the beginning of that answer uh, before we close tonight. You know, one thing I would just say w- at the beginning of the broadcast, you asked the question, how could you prove to someone that evil exists? Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned the law of God yes. would, would be, a, what comes to my mind that in, in either, an even greater example would be the death of Christ. There you go. Acts chapter 2 and verse 36 in Peter's uh, message at Pentecost, he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know surely that God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And so we see that, that, that Christ being completely innocent, that Christ not having any evil and so forth is crucified. Now what greater proof of evil could there be than that? And, and he said, while... We were yet sinners yeah. while we were yet evil. Enemies. Christ yeah. died for us. While Cho was yet a sinner, Christ died for him, and he could have been set free of the evil. Of the evil. Of his heart, yes. Because that, that provision, who received God's abundance provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness, reigned in life through the one man. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Amazingly, we have a caller this evening. Lyle, are you there? Lyle from Ohio. Uh, you guys, I was listening to the radio on the way home in my, in my Jeep, and uh, I was wondering, I know a girl who suffers from uh, bad dreams. Uh, I don't know if it's from movies she watched. And she also, I'm sorry, also suffers from depression. Is there any scriptures that I could give her, first of all, like I said, pertaining, pertaining to uh, that would help her with, let's say, bad dreams that, that may be from childhood, maybe her dad, some kind of abuse, maybe like mental abuse, and then maybe uh, maybe one each for the bad dreams, maybe one for like depression that would help her with, uh, from God's Word, deal with those two issues. Wow, good question. Lyle, listen, I'll tell you what, we're going to send you to the engineer. He's going to get your name and address. So okay. We're going to need to close, and we want to send you that free book. And listen in, although I don't know how deep we can get. That's a huge and a great question. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, we're gonna. We might start on that, but I want to ask you to tune in in weeks to come, and we'll try to deal with it uh, with much more time. Or email us, and we'll send you a more extensive answer. But to pop off one verse sure. for each condition Great. is almost impossible in this okay. amount of time. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Hang on the line, though. Thank you. Bless you. God bless you too, Lyle. Thanks Thank for calling. He has. So, guys, look. Uh, we have anything quick for Lyle? I, that's kind of tough. Kind of yeah, tough. It is. We 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 need some more information. We need a lot more a lot, data. A lot more data. So it's it's difficult to do that. But maybe if he leaves his number when we call, well, one of us will promise to get back with him. Right. And talk with him about this. Right. Email us anybody at at transforming lives at yahoo.com and we'll be happy to respond to your questions, and give you scriptural references for different sorts of things. Uh, but in conclusion for tonight's program, I, th- I think what we'll do is hold hold that particular question. Uh, not enough time to answer. And just remind our listeners about the answer to this problem. How does Jesus begin to solve the evil problem? 
let me start and you guys jump in wherever you want to. I think that one of the clearest things to me theologically is Jesus comes to solve the problem in its totality by dying mm-hmm. for our sins because mm-hmm. our sins is the source of the evil in this world. And so when he dies for our sins, and it also says in Colossians 2 that he conquers Satan, who is the instigator that was unnamed by Adam, but yes, clearly named in the scripture. So Jesus says the beginning of the solution of evil is my death, my crucifixion. Uh The promise that it's going to work is that I was resurrected from the dead, which shows that death has been conquered because the wages of sin is death. And if death cannot hold Christ, then death has been vanquished. Uh And so what we have is the gospel in this form. Jesus says he will come and live in us. He will come and take charge as our Lord. And he will begin. I don't know about you two guys. I praise God for what I'm about to say. I've been saved now 36 years. And I can tell you this. Christ in me has has given me the ability to have victory over the evil in my life. I, I commit far less evil. I'm not, not perfect. But the battle against evil is being won on a daily basis in my personal life. And you, if you can imagine that truth spread to multitudes of individuals, then you can see a minimization of the expression of evil in culture and in society. That's the beginning of the cure, individual salvation, and then joining together as individuals, worshiping Christ, growing together, become more effective in their communities to hinder the uh, growth of evil. If uh, someone out there is the victim of evil and is having a difficult time overcoming it, or if you've done evil yourself and have not been able to, uh, to get rid of the guilt, this is the plan to get rid of it. This is the plan to deal with this evil, is to meet Jesus Christ. And we'd like to introduce you to him. All you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm evil. Come into my heart and change it and create in me a new heart. I turn from my sin. I turn from my evil ways to you. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. Amen. Tune in next week for more great news from Scripture. God bless you. There you will find information about BCI, our resources, course offerings, and available materials. You may also write to the Biblical Counseling Institute, 8146 High Street, Garrettsville, Ohio, 44231. Your prayers and financial gifts for this ministry would be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening. This program has been sponsored by the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio.